Okay, now let's look at this chart, significant differences between US GAAP and IFRS. And I kind of want to, again, introduce you to this, but we're going to work through this throughout the course at the end of each section. But financial statement presentation. On the left is GAAP, on the right is IFRS. On uh, financial presentation, no requirement for comparative financial statements. IFRS, comparative statements required, including immediate, immediately prior period, so last year's. Comprehensive income may either be a separate or combined. IFRS requires a separate statement of comprehensive income and a statement of changes in equity. Now, we can combine them as well, but we can also show them separately. Inventory. We're going to talk about this. Market considered replacement cost with floor and ceiling. So we're going to learn about the ceiling floor replacement and we take the lower of cost or whatever we consider to be market. Under IFRS, market is considered the ceiling, lower of cost or NRV. So the net realizable value is considered your market value. Uh, we can do FIFO, LIFO, weighted average, moving average. There they know LIFO. Does not allow reversal. So our, and you'll see this a lot in IFRS. If the value is impaired, we write it down. We never write it back up. Guess what? IFRS, yeah, sure. Let's write it back up, baby. So it could come back up. Statement of cash flows, under GAAP, allows direct or indirect. IFRS allows direct, indirect, but they also have something called the modified direct method. And we'll talk about that in cash flows. Understatement of cash flows, we'll define operating investing financing, interest received, interest paid, dividend received as operating. Under IFRS, interest received, dividends received is normally investing, not operating. Interest paid is normally financing, not operating. So that'll be one of the differences as well that you will see when we talk about that. Accounting changes, we'll talk about change in principle, change in estimate, change in reporting entity, a correction of a boo-boo, hey yoga, boo-boo, yoga, hey yoga, hey yogi, boo-boo. Under IFRS, they don't have a change in reporting entity. Income taxes. We're gonna talk about deferred taxes. Now, when we talk about income taxes or deferred taxes, what we're going to learn is that with deferred taxes, we would generally use the enacted future rate, the expected enacted future tax rate. That's the rate we expect in the future. We use that for our deferred tax differences. Under IFRS, we don't, we don't do that. Under IFRS, you can either use the enacted rate or what they call substantially enacted, which may or may not actually be the rate we're going to use. All deferred tax assets recognize subject to valuation. Deferred taxes are only recognized reasonably assured. So we could have a deferred tax asset that we always hit, and then if we're not sure, we hit an allowance, a valuation allowance. IFRS says if you're not sure, just don't hit it. PP&E, fixed assets, this is where we have a lot of stuff that you're going to see under fixed assets. Basically what it says, we recognize usually a cost. And then we don't consider investment properties a separate category. We don't have something called biological assets. Biological assets would be things that are thing, uh, like agricultural assets, animals, plants, and so on. That is not a separate category. Under IFRS, they can either do cost or revaluation model. And the revaluation is the one I talked about where you write it up, you write it down, and so on. Also, investment property is property that's held for appreciation or rental. That is a separate category. They do have a category called biological assets. Impairment testing under GAAP, there's two rules. First, is there a loss? In other words, we say if the carrying value is greater than the future cash flows, there's a loss. How much is the loss? Step two, compare fair value with book value or carrying value. Under IFRS, it's a one-step test.
Uh, impairment recoveries are not recognized under IFRS. Yes, you can. You can write it back up. Uh, impairments. We'll talk about impairments in all the different areas. We'll talk about fixed asset impairments, intangible impairments, receivable impairments, and all these different impairments. And again, we'll see how the differences are and how they relate and how to calculate them. Provisions and contingencies, if it's probable and estimable, accrue it. What do we call it? A loss contingency. Contingent losses recognize a probable and estimable. No contingencies are recognized because they call them provisions. No separate categories for provisions. Provision or contingency is pretty much the same under GAAP. Here it says loss that is probable and estimable resulting from past event recognizes a provision and all of them are recognized. Contingent gains may be disclosed. Contingent gains required to be disclosed if probable. Short-term obligations classified as long-term if you meet certain rules. Short-term obligations classified as long-term if the entity has entered into the agreement to refinance on a long-term basis. Intangibles, we'll talk about all R&D is expensed. Under IFRS, research is expensed, but development could be capitalized if we meet one of certain criteria. Uh, all intangibles, cost method. Here we could use revaluation model and write it up or down. Impairment recovery is not recognized. You could have an impairment loss recovery, just like for fixed assets, intangibles as well. Uh, business combos, we'll talk about a business combo and consolidations. There you've got different things like we value treasury. When we um, come up with the um, uh, non-controlling interest, the non-controlling interest valuation is a little different under IFRS than under US GAAP. They have a similar method, but you can also use the old method we used to use under, IF, uh, under GAAP. They use that under IFRS as well. Financial instruments, uh, financial assets accounted for based on their nature. Financial assets recognized at fair value unless certain criteria are met. Provides irrevocable option to elect to selectively report financial assets or liabilities at fair value. Allows financial liabilities to be reported at their fair value through profit or loss, which is called FVTPL. So those are just some of the differences that you'll notice, again, between GAAP and IFRS. So those are some of the differences, and we'll see them throughout the remainder of the course. But again, it's important to kind of look at that. It's important to study that. Let's do a couple of questions. Uh, question number seven. According to the IASB, what is IASB? International Accounting Standards Board. So that's international, that is IFRS. The qualitative characteristic of relevance includes, and what does it include? Mm, Roger, relevance is PC, right? Roger is PC, although he's materialistic. Same under both GAAP and IFRS. So this answer would be the same under both. C, predictive value, confirmatory value, and materiality. That's great. Look at number eight. According to the IASB framework, the financial statement element that is defined as a present obligation of the entity arising from past events, the settlement of which is expected to result in an outflow from the entity, is what? Well, there were five elements under IFRS. What are the five? Assets, liabilities, and equity, income, and expenses. That is not one of these two. It's an outflow of a resource that's going to be a liability which is answer B. All right, so that's important to understand as far as the intro. And this is the intro of what we're going to be doing for the remainder of this section in the cram, where we're talking about why is it we do what we do and how do we account for it here in these financial statements. And we're going to continue on, boom, in just a minute.
Okay, now one of the things we talked about on the FAR exam, you've got eight task-based simulations of those. One of them at least will be research. You could have two. So with the research, it's important to understand how do we do this. So they'll ask you a question about an accounting standard codification for the FAR exam. So they'll ask you a question about depreciation. So what do you do? You type in depreciation expense straight line method and you search. Then you'll get a bunch of stuff. Then you type search within so you can actually search within to see what areas they're asking for. Generally what they're looking for is the FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board codification, accounting standard codification. I put in here a list of what it consists of. You'll see we've got presentation 105, we've got the 200s like 225 extraordinary, assets 300s, liabilities, 400, equities, 500, revenue, 600, expenses, 7, general transactions like fair value measurement, 820, which we talked about earlier. And then they'll have you do a search. Then they'll say, and they'll tell you if you formatted it correctly. So for example, you'll see here, identify the section of the professional standards where a res um, cash received from selling available for securities should be disclosed on a statement of cash flows. So I might type in statement of cash flows, then search within looking for uh, cash received from sale of available for sale securities. Then it'll pop it up. You're looking for ASC, which is ASC standard 320, section 10, paragraph 45 and 11. So they'll tell you, is it formatted correctly? Yes or no. Those are the kinds of things that they're looking for. Now, once you get your notice to schedule, once you get your NTS, you get free six months of access where you can actually practice doing research. So you can practice this. We have software. You can practice it as well. But once you get your notice to schedule, you actually get a lot of free access to practice that. It's an area that most people don't have trouble with. So I wouldn't spend too much time on it. There's so much material to learn, but if you want to play with a couple just to practice, that is fine. Again, you'll have research for FAR, for audit, and for regulation. Those are areas where they'll have you research. In auditing, you might research some of the different standards, the AU standards and so on. Auditing has the most choices as far as where to search. Uh, regulation, the Internal Revenue Code, and here in financial accounting, ASCs, accounting standard codifications, and that's the listing of the codifications. As we go through the material, I listed in there, this is section 820, this is section, you know, uh, um, from the uh, standards of of uh, you know where they show up and I mentioned that so you can start to learn marketable securities or 320 for example so as we go through I don't want you to memorize those numbers but it's kind of a way to kind of see and cross-reference back so you start to understand what's fitting where so that way when you get that one question you shouldn't have too much trouble with it all right that is what research deals with Okay, let's talk about cash and cash equivalents. I also want to talk a little bit here about your balance sheet and introduce you to your income statement because there's a memory aid mnemonic I want you to remember and then as we go through the rest of the cram, we'll be fitting stuff in so you know, is it operating, non-operating, is it net of tax, is it gross, and so on. All right, starting out here, we've got our balance sheet. And the balance sheet is, again, as I said earlier, a picture of the company as of a point in time, as of December 31st, how much do we have? Assets, liabilities, stockholders, equity. Generally, it's listed in order of liquidity. Liquidity means the most liquid. What is cash is the most liquid uh, to the least liquid. Also, we'll deal with current and then non-current. And then at the end of this section, we'll talk about what does it look like in 
under IFRS types of financial statements. All right, so you'll see here when we talk about cash and cash equivalents, what is cash and cash equivalents? That is the first balance on your balance sheet. So when you look at the balance sheet, the first balance on there says what? It says cash and cash equivalents. They wanna know how much cash you have, how much are your cash equivalents? Now, what is cash? That's the green stuff you carry around, get you friends, get you dates, <laughs> makes you popular. What is a cash equivalent? It is where you take your cash, acquire an investment, but that investment is so highly liquid and so easily convertible into cash that it's equivalent to having cash. So we'll learn this in cash flows because when we talk about a statement of cash flows, we're trying to tie back to cash and cash equivalents. What is a current asset? Current asset is something that will be used up or that, or that is uh, used up or converted into cash within one year or the accounting cycle, whichever is longer. Very good, longer. So, for example, we always remember current as a year. All right, so let's say is it a year. But if normally it takes to go from cash to cash 16 months, then a year would be longer 16 months. So if I have cash, I buy raw materials, I then finish the goods, I then have inventory, I then sell it, I then get an account receivable, I then collect the receivable. Usually it takes 30 days, 60 days. So that might be 60 days. What's longer? A year. But if that takes me 14 months, then what's current 14 months? Because that's more meaningful to this business. Current liability, settled within one year. The operating cycle, whichever, is longer. And we'll talk about, uh, you know, what's the lot Accounts payable, accrued expenses, dividends payable, taxes payable, current portion of long-term debt. Those are all examples of current liabilities. Um, here's cash and cash equivalent. A cash equivalent, highly liquid, original maturity of three months or less. Now, what does this mean? I have money and I buy an investment. Now, what's the original maturity to me? I bought an investment that matures in a week. To me, it's a week. What is it? Cash equivalent. Example two, you have an investment and it's a one-year investment. You've held it for 11 months. So to you, it still matures in a month, but you've held it originally over three months. It's still an investment. All right, but if I bought it from you and it matures in a month, it would be a cash equivalent to me. So we're looking at the original, original, and you'll see here a cash equivalent is a security that is easily convertible into cash with an original maturity of 90 days or less. It says it's both easily convertible into known amounts of cash, highly liquid, and original maturity of three months or less. Examples of cash and cash equivalents, coins, that's the you know coins that we carry around, currency, money market accounts, unmailed checks, savings accounts, CDs with original maturity of three months or less, negotiable paper, all of those are cash and cash equivalents. Things that are excluded from cash, compensating balance. That means like you have money that is legally restricted, that would not be considered cash. Post-dated or NSF checks. What is post-dated or NSF means what? Non-sufficient funds, right? We all know that. That's the kind of check you just sent me to pay for this course. Um, that's not cash, it would be a receivable. Uh, overdraft protection, this is important. It has shown up lately. If in same bank, then we net them. So I have one account that has cash and one that I've written check. Because a lot of times people go, hey, I have checks, I must still have money. No, they write a check and they go negative. If it's in the same bank, we can net them. But if they're in different banks, you show this is a current asset, this negative as a current liability. 
Um, so again, those are just some of the differences, what is, what isn't cash. You'll see I put in there bank reconciliation. That is reconciling between the balance per bank, the balance per book, and a lot of us have done them in the real world, but you're just reconciling from the balance on the bank statement to what do we actually have in the corrected book balance. So we're going from one to the other. That is called a reconciliation. All right. Now, let's talk about the gap balance sheet. And I'm trying to introduce you to it. We're going to talk about every single element in this statement throughout the remainder of the cram. Now, before I go into that, let's talk about what do we have? We have a balance sheet, which is BS, right? <laughs> I like that. Hey, that's BS. Let's talk about our balance sheet. Hold on. Let's. <laughs> All right. So I have a balance sheet, BS, and that's got assets, liabilities, and equity. So those are the basics. Assets, liabilities, and equity. All right, so assets, we talked about an economic resource, liabilities, an economic obligation, equity, the residual interest in a company's assets. That's your balance sheet. Now, what's the first balance on the balance sheet? Cash. So that brings us to a statement of cash flows, which we're going to talk about towards the latter part of the cram once we've covered a lot of material. But we're going to have operating activities, investing activities, financing activities. Here's your net change in cash plus beginning equals ending. So notice this beginning and ending come from the balance sheet. The statement of cash flows, the whole purpose is to talk about the ch -ch -ch change in cash. Where did the cash come from? There, either operating, we'll define it, investing, financing. The FASB carefully defines investing and financing. If it's not investing and financing, what is it? Operating. Okay, what's equity, stockholders equity? Well, we'll have a statement of changes in stockholders' equity, and we'll look at that later in stockholders' equity section, statement of changes in equity. One of the elements there is retained earnings, which deals with dividends that we'll be talking about quite a bit. We also have your income statement, your gap income statement, because that will lead us into change goes to retained earnings, which gets closed down into equity. So when we talk about the basic statements, you have a balance sheet, income statement, equity, cash flows, footnotes, those are the basic elements. What, so if we look at the balance sheet, you'll see we have current assets, we've got our cash and cash equivalents, temporary term investments like trading securities, receivables that they're NRV, net realizable value. Uh, we have all these different types of receivables. We have bad debt expense, we'll learn about that in receivables. Inventories at lower of cost or market. Uh, prepaid expenses like prepaid insurance, prepaid rent. Non-current investments, non-marketable securities, those are under cost or equity. We have other investments available for sale, held to maturity, that'll be in the investment section coming up soon. Fixed assets, property, plant, equipment. We've got land, building, improvements, less accumulated depreciation. So we talk about how we're going to depreciate it. That's called book value or carrying value. So we'll have to learn about straight lines, some of the years, declining balance, and so on. We have intangible assets, net of amortization, goodwill, and other identifiable like patents, trademarks, copyrights, leasehold improvements, franchises, and all that. Other assets, uh, deposits, non-current receivables, non-current deferred taxes, equipment to be disposed of is called other assets because we're going to talk about equipment to be held for use or to be disposed of, held for use, PP&E. To be disposed of, other asset equals total assets. Liabilities and equity. 
Current liabilities, short-term notes payable, accounts payable, we'll talk about those, accrued expenses, salaries, wages, interest, estimated currently liability, current liabilities, warranty expense, um, taxes payable, current deferred taxes, unearned revenue, like unearned, let's say someone gives you money in advance, you haven't earned it, debit cash, but it's not a cash basis, it's accrual, so it's an unearned, which is a liability. Dividends payable, current portion of long-term debt, Non-current liabilities, notes payable, uh, bonds payable, uh, we'll learn about bonds in a little bit, non-current deferred tax liability, other non-current things like leases, deferred liabilities, pensions, we'll have to talk about pensions, and a spider will be my memorator mnemonic to figure out pension cost, can't wait. Stockholders equity, we have common stock, preferred stock, we have a pick from common, preferred, additional paid in capital, non-controlling interest. We have earned capital, which is retained earnings, accumulated other comprehensive income. Um, and then subtract treasury, excuse me, treasury stock at cost. So all of those are elements that we would have on your balance sheet. So we'll be talking about all of these throughout the course. So again, I just want you to realize that's your overview of where we're going. The other statement I really want us to understand is our income statement. And the income statement, you'll see here as the multiple step income statement. And with the multiple statement income statement, it involves a memory aid or mnemonic that I really want us to remember. And basically what it is, and we're gonna be going through it in detail, I like to go surfing where? Woohoo! on the tide in Orange County. Orange County, California. Hey, OC. So I like to go surfing where? On the tide in OC. That is called my multiple step income statement. Now we're gonna cover this down the road, but I want to introduce you to it now so as we're going through it, you can see what goes where. So the important mnemonic here is on the tide in OC. So let's take our income statement, whoop, and here is our gap income statement. And again, O-N-T-I-D-E. Mm, OC, all right, because I like to go where? Surfing on the tide in OC. So this is your operating income. This is your non-operating or other. This is your taxes, both current and deferred. Now, that gives you income from continuing operations. So what this is saying is we've got operating, non-operating. Our taxes are based on these two. Operating is your normal operations. Now, what does that mean? It says basically this is our normal operations, this is what we're doing, and again, we're gonna refer to this again and again and again all throughout the cram, but operating, non-operating taxes, operating would be things like your sales, minus cost of goods sold is gross profit, minus selling, minus G&A, minus d -d 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 depreciation, equals operating, and notice that's your O that fits into here. So when I give you the O, that is the O in detail, operating income. Notice also as we talk in inventory, you're going to have beginning inventory plus net purchases equals goods available for sale minus ending inventory is costs of goods sold. So beginning plus purchases available, 
that's available. Now purchases would be all the costs incurred in getting inventory ready for its intended use. For example, freight in would be part of cost of purchasing. P I can't read that there, purchase. Minus ending, and how do you value ending? Is it FIFO, LIFO, weighted average, moving average, and so on? Gives you cost of goods sold. This flows into here, this flows into here. Freight out would be more of a selling expense. So when we go into the income statement down the road in detail, we'll talk about is it selling, is it G&A, is it operating, is it not, and so on. Where does it fit in? So this flows into here, this flows into here, that's all. So when I say O and operating, boom. Non-operating is other, that's gonna be your other gains and losses, that's gonna be gains and losses, revenues and expenses, interest income, uh, property, plant and equipment, gain or loss on sale. It also includes what used to be called extraordinary because in the olden days we had O-N-T-I-D, there was an E here for extraordinary. I've now changed that E and put it as D-E because it's discontinued of an entity, D-E, but basically it's still, the mnemonic still works, but what I want you to see is this E is now here and other non-operating because they decided because of the simplification initiative FASB GAP said you know what we're going to now adopt IAS and International Accounting Standards 1 which says that extraordinary gains and losses no longer exist so I've been learning this for a hundred years extraordinary if it's unusual and frequent now it doesn't matter if it's unusual and frequent both neither it still goes up here other so earthquake floods fires expropriation of a plant by the government all of those are no longer down here so that's up here other non operating then you have taxes both current and deferred current what you currently owe the government this year based on recurring Deferred difference between book and tax for temporary or what we call temporary or timing differences, which we'll expand on in deferred taxes. Income from continuing. Here's your D, which is discontinued operations, like you get rid of a product line. Do you do that every year, continuing? No. So we'll separate that out. That gives you net income. Now notice that this is below tax, therefore it's shown net of tax effect. What does that mean? Means that if I had $100 of revenue, I show 100 here, I owe the government, they go, hey, you made 100, woohoo, we'll take 40, minus 40 equals 60. That's net of tax, gross minus tax, boom. Here, if I have a, a gain on the sale of this discontinued product line of $100, government says, nice job, Rogelio. We would like 40%. 40% of 100 is 40, so I'm just gonna show it here, net of tax, as 60. That's what I mean, net of tax. Then you've got your net income. O equals OCI, other comprehensive income. That is your dent. Now, what is dent? Derivative cash flow hedges and that would be a cash flow versus a fair value hedge, which goes up here. Excess amortization for pensions, difference between PBO and fair value, we'll learn in pensions. And net unrealized gain or loss on available for sale. So an unrealized gain or loss here, realized goes up here as part of other. T, foreign currency translation for foreign currency goes here. If it's a transactional, goes here. That's your dent. This is also below tax. These are all shown net of tax, gives you comprehensive income. So as you look at your income statement, notice this is your statement of income and comprehensive income or statement of profit and loss. There's really two statements. Here is your income statement. Here is your comprehensive income. So notice this is income, this is comprehensive income, and then you've got your boom. Now net income, that kind of ties back to your statement of retained earnings because on your statement of retained earnings, you've got your beginning, retained earnings plus or minus a prior period adjustment 
equals adjusted beginning. So that could be, for example, for correction of an error, things like that. Then you plus add in net income. So that's where your net income flows into. Net income flows in here to retained earnings minus dividends, because dividends come out, equals ending retained earnings. Notice your beginning and your ending tie back to where? They tie back to your balance sheet. So all of this is part of your retained earnings and that again flows through. Because it's important to understand how the balance sheet, which we just talked about earlier, to the income statement, to your statement of retained earnings, statement of equity, and all of those. Because they're all really interrelated, it's important to understand how they're tied together. And again, so you'll see how all the statements are interrelated. As we continue on, we will continue getting into more and more and more lovely, lovely detail. And that's a great way to kind of keep seeing how all this is tied together. All right, so that'll lead us into the next topic. Now, that brings us to good old IFRS, International Financial Reporting Standards. What do we have there? We talk about your monetary, current, and uh, assets and current liabilities. So when we talk about that, it mentions here, <sighs> we're, we're put, generally uh, we can put them in order of liquidity, but a lot of times they'll have non-current before current. Whatever. They'll have current, non-current, they'll have uh, uh, maybe non-current and then current, and then maybe they'll have uh, equity and then they'll have liabilities, or they can go in any darn order they want. What is current? It says an asset is current if one, the entity expects to realize, realize the asset or consume or sell it within 12 months, or the entity holds the asset for the purpose of trading. Liability is current, and it expects to settle liability within the normal cycle. Liability is settled within 12 months, or they hold it for trading, okay? What is a financial asset? Could be things like cash, and equity interest, some kind of contractual right. That would be your monetary elements. Let us look at your IFRS statement of financial position, which is a balance sheet, your statement of financial position. You'll notice here, and let me just kind of introduce you to the elements. Goodwill, okay, so it's, notice it starts with non-current, that's fine. Other intangibles, property, plant, and equipment, okay, we'll learn it could be a cost model or revaluation model, which means we could write it up. Uh, investments, investment property, they have their own category, GAAP doesn't. Biological assets, we don't have our own category, that's plants, crops, animals, whereas IFRS does. Deferred taxes are always non-current. Loans and other receivables, employee benefits, non-current assets. Then we have current, inventories, there's biological assets. Go back to inventories, lower of cost or NRV under GAAP, lower of cost or market. Uh, biological assets, okay, don't exist under GAAP. Loans and other receivables, prepayments, current tax assets, uh, short-term assets, cash and cash equivalents, not even necessarily in order of liquidity in this case because cash is last. Assets classified as held for sale. Then we have equity and liabilities. Equity here, equity attributable to the parent owners. Uh, we have share capital, that's like your common stock. We have premium, that's APIC, retained earnings, reserves. Those are some of the reserves where we talk about reserve for. And that reserve for, that could be your uh, fixed assets and your PP&E and so on. That's that revaluation allowance. Accumulated other comprehensive income, DENT R. Um, Non-controlling interests. We have here uh, two methods. That's like consolidations. We'll learn about your minority interest. That could be things like um, uh, two methods, either the fair value or the proportional share of identifiable asset method. Non-current liabilities, pensions, loans, deferred taxes are always non-current. 
other liabilities provisions, current liabilities, bank overdraft, uh, trade or other payables, current tax liabilities, short-term provisions. Remember, they call it a provision. We call it a contingency, a contingent liability, or provision for, provide for. Uh, liability associated with assets held for sale and your total. So again, what I want you to see is just how it differs because there are significant differences. Again, it's new to a lot of you. As we go through it, it'll start to make sense. And again, as I found in life, repetition is key. I keep saying it again and again and again. That will help you to understand it. So that's what we're looking at as far as um, uh, what we're looking at as far as the elements. Okay, so key points there to remember. The main thing is your income statement and how it flows in the balance sheet because we're going to hit it again and again and again and over time this will all fall into place.